We acknowledge and respect the first humans of the unceded land we call San Francisco, the Ramaito Shaloni. We condemn the genocide of these and other tribes across the Western Hemisphere. We honor their legacy and history, and we support rematriation and sovereignty efforts. Hello, and welcome to Storied San Francisco, a podcast all about the people and places that make this city unique. I'm your host, Jeff Hunt. This is episode 16 of our fifth season here on the podcast. The location we're featuring this week and next is the San Francisco Women's Building. Located in the Mission for more than 50 years now, the Women's Building has served so many functions. From a safe space and place to get various resources, to a spot for poetry, art, and other artistic gatherings. To share some of the Women's Building's history, as well as to talk about all the programs and areas of engagement they do, we sat down with content specialist slash social media manager Maria Artiega and community engagement coordinator Kristen Acosta. Here's part one of our chat. Hi, welcome to the Women's Building. Lovely day to be here. And my name is Maria Arteaga, and I'm the uh, content specialist slash uh, social media manager here at the Women's Building. Okay, well, I think that I'm from, I, I don't think, I'm from Puebla, Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like born, raised there, and I lived there until I was 28 years old then okay. I moved because I have to start like the PhD and mm. the University of Bar- in Barcelona so oh. I lived there for four years then life take me to Zurich Switzerland okay beautiful place but it was not my place yeah. so <laughs> at some yeah. point I was kind of like wanting just to be in a place with I, I don't know what I can feel more like related. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So for uh, my partner came here for work and I was just walking by the city and it was just like felt like, you know, the mission is three that felt like home. Yeah. And I saw the people and I saw like the vibrancy and everything. So I was like, I don't know if it's possible. Maybe I could like uh, move here mm-hmm. and just see what happens and luckily we were like very uh fortunate just to come here mm-hmm. in march 2019 and i was just walking like randomly on the streets and i saw this beautiful building i was like what is this is that rigoberta menchu is that like Shoutly, and what is happening in this just amazing place and i saw the side the woman's building mm-hmm. and i was like okay well what is the woman's building? Mm-hmm. Then I went back to my house and I browsed the internet mm-hmm. and I saw the work like the, mm-hmm. of the woman's building, the web page. And I was like, hmm, okay. And then at the end, I was like, we're looking for volunteers, oh. like for like a, <laughs> or tech program. And I just like send an email. I say, I'm not like the techiest person, mm-hmm. but I'm like, I can manage. Mm-hmm. And I, I had an interview when I came, the first person that I met was like, here, Kirsten Acosta, and she was so welcoming. And 
we were downstairs, uh, uh, the community research room, and I saw all these women mm -hmm. just running around and doing like all their jobs. And I was like, oh my God, it's just so powerful. And I felt so energized. And after the interview, I just felt very moved. Mm -hmm. And I just came back to my place, like wishing with all my heart, just like to be able to do volunteer here. And mm -hmm. it happened. Mm -hmm. And I stayed here for like three months as a tech volunteer. Then I joined in the family unification program for one year, and then I moved to development to the current like position that I have. But it's been a okay. pleasure. Wow. I have a couple of questions. Um, what was your field of study? You said you went to Europe for PhD, right? Yes. Okay. What, what did you study there? Anthropology. Okay. Um, and then yes, this show is storied San Francisco, but. Barcelona is very much in my heart. <laughs> and uh, I'm actually going there with my wife this summer. It's going to be hot, but yes. I don't care. My <laughs> wife has never been, um, again, it's just a very special place to me. Can we just quickly talk about your time there? Cause, of course. Yeah. It's a magic place. I mean, yeah. Actually, the it's very funny when I arrived, just like with all like my stuff, and it was hectic. And then I just took a cab and I gave to the driver the address that I had because I already had an apartment, a shared apartment with other like student, students. And mm -hmm. I gave him the address and then uh, he just like told me we arrived. And I saw this like amazing Art Deco building. Yeah. It looks so posh. And I was <laughs> like, are you sure that is That's me. here? That's <laughs> me. <Right. laughs> it was my, are Do you I sure? Because here? I saw like a large chandelier yeah. and like the kind of like a marble, I don't know if they were marble, but these beautiful floors and then a statue and then this. And we're like, are you sure that this is the address? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, this, this is street number 12. And I was like, okay, thank you. And I was just on the street and I was like, well, I'm just gonna ring the bell, and then just like the, the person who I ride with just came down and was like welcome me, and I was like, oh, this is a very fancy building. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, and I think that kind of speaks to something about Barcelona that it makes maybe not everyone, but it makes a lot of people feel special that you're in this place, um, and, and I, you hadn't even really done anything yet. <laughs> you hadn't <laughs> eaten, you hadn't walked around, you hadn't met people. You hadn't taken a siesta. <laughs> no, I was just like, wow. And then the day after, I just woke up like super early, and then I had to do all the bureaucracy stuff, just mm -hmm. to uh, many, many, many stuff related with that. And I just was walking in the street, and everything felt so special. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't remember, like, neither so much, like, my family that I left or the mm -hmm. city that I left. And it was like, I felt bad because I, I was like, mm, I don't miss that at all. So. <laughs> right. Barcelona will do that to you, I think. It just, I, yeah. Okay. Well, maybe that's enough about Barcelona because again, this show is not called Story Barcelona. Um, let's throw it to you. Can you introduce yourself and and let us know your name and your and your um, title or role here at the Women's Building? Yeah. So my name's Kristen Acosta, and my pronouns are she, her, ella. Thank you. And my role here is the Community Engagement Coordinator. So I'm the person who um, does a lot of our community engagement. So how do we make sure our community is involved in our 
all of our events and we're really building community, intentional community. Um, and then with that is also a lot of like education and advocacy. So I also do a lot of um, our advocacy on like a local level, on a state level, and sometimes national level. Oh, so nice. a lot of a lot of different things are involved in my role. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm pulled in a lot of directions, but I like so it. <laughs> City Hall, Sacramento, Washington. Yeah. Or yeah, do you ever get to go to those places? Um, or? So, so far, just City Hall and <laughs> Sacramento. Oh, okay. Well. So one day maybe we'll. It'll take me to DC. <laughs> right. Yeah. That'd be interesting. It um, be. Okay. Let's hear a little bit about your story. We. Um, well, your colleague let on that you're, like me, from Texas. Uh, <laughs> where about? So I'm from El Paso, so okay. the frontera, borderland, yeah. so right there with Juarez. Yes. Um, I born and raised there and, and lived there till I was 18, uh, and then I went to school in San Antonio. So Okay. I, yeah, so I was in More San Antonio. Where, where are you from? Fort Worth. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, so not really close to either. The yeah, Bridges. again, Texas <laughs> is Texas. It's yeah. very big. Can I ask you a quick question yes. about El Paso? Uh-huh. So Padme and Lakshmi's show, Taste of the Nation, um, she went to El Paso, and I had no idea there's this thing known as the El Paso Burrito. Oh, I... I and of I course, living in San Francisco, yeah. you're like, what? Is it just that it's big? I have no idea, actually. <laughs> it's not. I think we're... Mission Burritos are known as, like, the super big ones. Uh-huh. I'm trying to remember what yeah, it was. Yeah, I don't know. And San Diego. <laughs> I feel like a bad El Paso in. I mean, most all, people no. talk about Chico's tacos when they think about uh, El Paso. Okay. It's like um, tacos durados, and then it's like uh, tomato sauce and yellow cheese. Oh, okay. <laughs> that sounds intense. It's intense. <laughs> yeah. But they are actually really good, but uh, it's, yeah, it's like an El Paso thing. Okay. Well, at the very least, this was a plug for Padma Lakshmi's show, um, which I think is coming back for a second season. It's really good. <laughs> anyway, um, okay, so uh, grew up in El Paso, like undergrad at undergrad San, 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 San Antonio. Antonio. Mm-hmm. UT San Antonio? Mm-hmm. Or, oh, okay. UT San Antonio. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And, uh, and, and then and I was there for eight years. Oh, wow. um, after I graduated, I... I did like a lot of writing and uh, mostly like retail work throughout my like work in college, mm-hmm. and uh, that's feasible in Texas, yeah, by yeah, the way. I went to UT Austin yeah. and I worked at a cafe <laughs> nice, and yeah. paid my own way. Yeah, like, what the heck? Yeah. yeah, all my friends went to like my best friends went to UT Austin, yeah. and I ended up staying at UT San Antonio because I liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got a job from a friend. You know, that's yeah. how jobs Networking, usually happen. Yeah, and it was a job like as a customer service rep for. A camera company, so a okay. robotic camera company. Okay. And I worked there for four years and, like, you know, my first job out of college. And then they got an investor here in San Francisco mm. in the mm-hmm. Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. So um, it wasn't one of those big startup companies, but obviously still problematic in the sense of, yes, it's also leading to the gentrification here in San displacement, Francisco. Gentrification. Displacement. Mm-hmm. Um, so we moved here. I moved here with my partner in 2000. It's okay. Wow. <laughs> Can I remember now? <laughs> it was five that's years a, ago. <laughs> that's a good sign. Yeah, no, five years ago. <laughs> also, pandemic. Yeah, yeah. Pandi- I know. Honestly, my sense of yeah. time since pandemic has yeah. changed. <laughs> um, not five years ago, actually, seven years ago. Seven. Okay. Seven. I've been here for five years, but seven years ago, and the I've been in the mission and in, with the women's building for five years. Had you visited San Francisco at all before you decided no. to move? No. Okay, so interesting. I never visited San Francisco. They were like, we're going to pay for you to move. That helps. And I was like, yes, let's take yeah, me over there. Yeah, that helps, totally. Um, 
And yeah, I mean, I I think it was actually really hard for me when I first moved to San mm. Francisco because, I mean, Texas gets a lot of crap, but Texas also is very, very communal, like very uh, neighbory. You mm-hmm. can you meet your neighbors, you say hi to people, oh, and yeah. then I moved to San Francisco, and it was really hard. And maybe it was a part of San Francisco, and it, I. It was hard for me to build community, to get to know my neighbors. And that's when I started <laughs> visiting the Mission District. Mm-hmm. And that's how um, you know I fell in love with the Mission District, similar yeah. to Maria. Like, you feel more at home. You get to know your neighbors. Your neighbors talk to you. You say hi. Mm-hmm. Uh, you say have a good day, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you, you make eye contact. You make eye first contact. first. <laughs> exactly. Makes eye contact. Yeah, yeah. Um, but where I was, and not to give Alamo Square crap, but yeah, it, yeah. I didn't have that. Like where the painted ladies are, yeah. I was on uh, on Divisadero. It was a really different vibe over there. It's literally colder. Yeah. It's so, so I live. Cold. <laughs> I live even more north and west than that. And um, I used to live over here for many, many years on Twentieth Street, and. Um, so it's like, you know, when I make the travel like I did today, when I travel, when I come over here, I'm always like taking off layers and just like breathing the air and saying yeah. hello to people. Yeah. And like, yeah, it's just. I it's, love it. It's it is a completely different feeling. Vibe. Yeah. Um, so you moved here sight unseen and then to San Francisco. To San Francisco. How did you come to, to the be part of Yeah. So like I said, I, I kind of just was, I was looking for a community, looking for like how to get involved. Um, and I was volunteering with different organizations. So I like volunteered with Glide, I volunteered with mm-hmm. St. Anthony's. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I found the women's building. I was I was just walking, similar to Maria. I passed by it and I was like, wow, these murals. Yeah. And I was just taken yeah. in and in awe of the murals. And I also saw it was the women's building mm-hmm. and Edificio de Mujeres. And I was like, mm-hmm. what is this? So There's instead of going, yeah. Building. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was yeah. amazed. Yeah. So and I didn't walk in. I was like, I was like, oh, my, I don't know if it's like a community space. Uh, and then I just got online and I was like, okay, what is this? And then mm-hmm. similar to Maria, I, I went to the volunteer page and I was like, they're looking for volunteers. So I applied to be volunteer. And I also, I was so nervous. I was like, what if they don't like, what if, what if I don't get the volunteer right. position? And yeah. it was the admin to the executive director at the time, which was Teresa Mejia, okay. who's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I had an interview. I was so nervous, but, and I came in and I was like, this, this is, is to this, volunteer. This is amazing. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. You're nervous I, for a volunteer so I was so yeah. I was so nervous. Uh, but it, it just speaks to yeah. probably how, how badly you wanted it, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And it was amazing, though. I Like, there were so many people in here, and it, it really is like, community, a community mm-hmm. center, like where people are able to come, whoever you are, you come to this building and you find that. Mm-hmm. And it was a great interview. And then that same interview, like I met also the ED, uh, Teresa Mejia, which also shows just like how open we are. Right. And, you know, you just walk in, you right. come as you are and you get to meet people and make those connections. So it was awesome. And since then I started volunteering and, um, at the time, the job that I was at was like kind of not doing well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I was, uh, I started finding like other jobs and I was, it got into freelancing. So I started okay. like doing writing for other like mm-hmm. companies and also like doing like fashion writing and things like that and um, random jobs. Mm-hmm. And so I was doing that and then the receptionist position opened up. So I was like, I could do this and be a receptionist Is and that be like here. Right down here. when you yeah. walk in yeah. the person I talk to. Yeah, okay, so okay. the receptionist mm-hmm. of the women's building. Mm-hmm. And I ended up applying and I, I got the position. Um, 
and I did like I was doing both and then finally I think like I think it was three or four months went by and then I I got another another position opened and I applied for that one and it was for um, program support and the food pantry coordinator okay yeah and then since then my position has like changed Mm -hmm. also like responding to what like community needs are mm-hmm. a lot of that happened during covid i was gonna say yeah. um yeah. and it was like response like what what is the community in need of and a mm-hmm. lot of it was you know education like how, know your rights what's going on like a lot of folks a lot of our folks they are in service industry mm-hmm. or care work and mm-hmm. um they either lost their jobs or they were getting even more exploited than they were before right. so it was like making sure we were um, providing accessible information for everyone mm-hmm. so that they are empowered to make their own decisions. So we were doing a lot of like know your rights workshops with different organ- amazing organizations like mm-hmm. Trabajadores Unidos and making those connections. So that's right. a lot of my position too is making connections to people who were were were, were, were stronger together. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think now might be a good time to turn to the history of the place. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to mention, I don't know that it's the number one thing that is mentioned in the five and almost six years that we've been doing this show, but it comes up a lot. Um, And I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, We did an episode on Good Vibrations a couple months ago. Um, We happened to be recording at the the Polk Street location um, because that's where the Antique Vibrator Museum is. And we thought that that would be cool. And I think it was. But anyway, um, going back to their roots... I think it was on 18th Street, and my guest was like, it, it was right by the women's building, mm-hmm. which made a whole lot of sense. So that was one instance. And then I don't know if this name is going to mean anything to you, but a couple of seasons ago, we met this incredible woman. We ended up recording on her birthday. She didn't tell me that mm-hmm. until I was there. <laughs> but I was like, really? You wanted to do this on your birthday? Um, her name is Mary Midget. She goes by Midget. She lives over in Bernal, and she... God, I mean, she turned 85 that day, and this was three years ago, so she's probably, like, in her late 80s now. But you would never know it. She's, um, she's, I guess, she considers herself a writer and educator, and she's just, like, unstoppable force of nature. And she told me that she, back in this early 70s, I believe, is when the building opened, is that correct? So that she was, like, part of a group of women that helped open this place. So I just wanted to mention those things because they've, they've been on the show before. Um, but I will throw it over to you, Maria, please, to share the story of the history of the women's building. Uh, well, it's totally true that what you say, and actually it's like kind of, oh, kind of sad that thing that because like there are many like random articles on the internet uh, um, one good thesis about the women's building but this like uh, organization is being here in the Bay Area for like more than 50 years mm-hmm. so when people we both we were speaking about the murals because like I, I just like like hate when people like, like came here what is this building about mm. that is now my mission and I want to mm. like show everyone what the woman's building is inside and what uh, kind of work we do here because we are here we've been here for a long time and we do like amazing stuff with this amazing group of women and with the community mm-hmm. so the woman's building is more than these beautiful murals and actually mm-hmm. the 
uh, our formal name is the San Francisco Women's Centers, okay. which is, was like a group of uh, women who decided they just want to tackle like the woman issues in the early 70s. Mm-hmm. There is no an agreement about like who were those group of women. Yeah. Yeah. There are several stories depending yeah. Who's telling the story? Right. So. <laughs> right. Well, I'll just go on record as believing my friend Midget. That, no, no, that of she course, but I mean, they, they are like kind of but circulating different versions yeah, of it. Yeah. And I think that's I think that's the nice part too, though. It's like everybody, there was a lot of people involved, and it's like it doesn't matter who it was. It's like they, I'm sure she did contribute, and that is important. It right. Doesn't, it doesn't lessen it. I think it's right. like everybody had a special part. We'll they don't have to be named. We'll be suspicious of those who said, oh, yeah, I started it by myself. Exactly. It's like, no, it exactly. takes a bunch of people to do anything significant. Yeah, exactly, because yeah. it was just a group of different women coming from different parts. Mm-hmm. And then just uh, created the San Francisco Women's Centers. Uh, and they were just like having a different location, which it was not here. Mm-hmm. But f- by the 1975, like the San Francisco Women's Center, with another like working groups of uh, women, like they decide just to do a conference, like about domestic, uh, no, uh, violence against women, mm-hmm. partnering with SF State, and mm-hmm. SF State is gonna be like uh, the sponsor, and it's gonna be like the venue. Okay. At that time. SF State, by the way, is the number one thing that's referenced on this show in six years. Wow. I, and I went there as well. It's, <laughs> it comes up all the time. So the discussion was who is going to be allowed if it's going to be a conference about violence against women. And they want to involve women who were just experiencing that uh, problems mm-hmm. at that time. Mm-hmm. So at the moment, they just decided it will be only women conference and because of that SF State has just to like say no to the sponsorship and also just they cancel the venue. So that was a very harsh experience and they just decide that they don't wanna face that again. They wanna just do whatever they want uh, and allow who whoever they want and they just start just to browsing different properties and just decide that they want to own their own building. Right. But the time they were just renting here and it was a club downstairs and it was... Uh, Dover, Dover Club, Dover right? Club, yeah. Yes. So that's another... I, it hasn't been on the podcast, but I, I just happened to hear about that yeah. at one point early in my time here. And by the... I think by 1974, after that they just decide to buy the building and then the bar has to go and then it just went kind of like the woman's building as like we know it it just was born yeah that idea so the building did already exist (laughs) okay do you know anything about like when was it built and what other kinds of things was it before it was a German athletic club, oh. and it was the daughters of the sons of Norway. The sons yeah. of Norway. Sons of Norway. Yeah. That's German, or <laughs> we don't know. What that is. 
<laughs> a very formal article, they say the, says the states first, that is what, German Athletic Club, and then it was like oh, Elsa. Then. Oh, got it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then, of course, it was clubbed over. Or Dover Club, yeah. Dover Club, and then I think it, well, it was at the same time because I mean I they, they, they were sharing well. the space also mm -hmm. with the San Francisco Women's Centers, but they were on different floors. That's definitely what that checks with what I've heard, mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. yeah, but it seems like they were just like um, looking just for a space, like just only for themselves. Is when they decide just to gather the resources and buy this place mm -hmm. I love it and that's like so nearly 50 years ago that and it's before terms like agency were you know but that's that's a community taking charge and, and taking mm -hmm. control for themselves yeah actually the, the idea always of the the women's building and the San Francisco Women's Centers as a organization was to be collective and uh, and inclusive and that's the thing that also I always like enjoy to highlight or why I feel like very connected because I think that they were the original uh, intersectional feminist mm, right because they it was a very heterogeneous group of women with different background backgrounds and different stories and they also in the uh, and every in the document they they, they where they establish the way that they want to function they state mm. that they want to just engage with all women all women's struggles no matter like race uh, or culture or mm -hmm. economic background mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and that's another word i feel like that wasn't popular or well-known back then intersectionality mm -hmm. yeah but i but, I, it, but I, it speaks uh, to that they did it without it being sort of a trend I don't know what what to call it but like a, you know mm -hmm. it, it, it wasn't known they just did it because it was the right thing to do yeah because also um they knew that they they were like different like groups of women different kind of women that they weren't all like the same so they have to be inclusive and they have just to like try to engage with like all of them mm-hmm so can you speak to what sorts of programs or activities or anything that was that was happening when, once now this women's center group got their yeah got actually, their own place? <laughs> One of the things that also fun out like it was like the second year that was like here like browsing all the archives is that for example like uh, it was the first uh, black lesbian conference in the United States mm -hmm. held here. I think my Become friend Midget Invisible. spoke to that and was part of it. In October in the yeah. uh, 1980s. Okay. And it was like here, Angela Davis and mm -hmm. Other Lord and mm -hmm. many, many, many uh, black uh, lesbian feminist women yeah. were here. And it was Amazing. the first conference and it was in this space in the auditorium of the Women's Building and they have like childcare services and they have like a, a room just to discuss like women's liberation and women's power and it was like amazing. Mm -hmm. But also they, since the beginning, like since like m many of the founders, they uh, were like, uh, they identify as lesbians, mm -hmm. that many of the programs and services that they 
at the time were supported by the San Francisco Women's Center or the Women's Building, mm -hmm. were also like from uh, for the LGTB community. For mm -hmm. example, it was the youth, the youth recreation and information center. It was the lesbian and bisexual woman, lesbian for the visual arts, but also they just realized that it was a uh, the Latinx community mm. here in the mission, mm -hmm. and they want to engage with that as well. So just try to adapt to that as well. And as you see in the entrance, the women's building, El Edificio de Mujeres, mm -hmm. which has been also one of the kind of core of the, the, the building. It has to be just like always building one and always trying to engage with and for the community. That was Maria Arteaga and Kristen Acosta. Please join us for part two on the Women's Building next Tuesday. Music for Storied San Francisco was produced, performed, and curated by Otis McDonald. Michelle Kilfeather does original photography for us. Aaron Lim of Bitch Talk Podcast is our contributing producer. And the show is produced and hosted by me, Jeff Hunt. Now in our fifth season, we have more than 200 episodes available on our website, storiedsf.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're able to, please rate and review the show. And drop us a line at storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Stay strong, weird, and healthy. And we'll see you next time on Storied San Francisco. This podcast is a proud member of the BFF.FM podcast network. Learn more at podcasts.bff.fm. BFF.FM, best frequencies forever.